You're listening to the Inverse Podcast, where we explore how the scriptures can turn our world upside down. Or how it can be weaponized to uphold the status quo. I'm Drew Hart. And I'm Jared McKenna, and this is Inverse. All right, we are excited for our episode today. We've got a terrific guest. We've got the one and only, the Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis. She is an author, activist, and public theologian. And she also happens to be the senior minister at Middle Collegiate Church, which is a multiracial, welcoming, and inclusive congregation in New York City that is driven by love, period. Jackie is the author of several books, including her latest, Fierce Love, a bold path to ferocious courage and rule-breaking kindness that can heal the world. Hmm. Uh, Middle Church and Jackie have been featured in media such as The Today Show, Good Morning America, The Takeaway, The Brian Lehrer Show, and in The Washington Post, The New York Times, and The Wall Street Journal. Her newest podcast is Love, Period which is produced by the Center for Action and Contemplation. Jackie, it's just a gift to have you here on Inverse Podcast. Thank you for making the time. Welcome to Inverse Podcast. I'm so glad to be with you, Drew. Jared, what's up? Hi, everybody. Glad to be this with is you. fun. This is a lot of fun. Um, Jackie, I respect more than anything people who love well. Um, so I respect you deeply. And I've had the delight to meet the love of your life, John, and uh, spend some time with you a couple of times. The fact that we're getting to do this with others listening in is a real joy. Um, we have so many things that we want to give you permission to just open up and talk about, but I don't want to be lost on people that you do have resources, which you've put time and um, intention uh, in, into making this available. Your new book, would you just like sketch that a little for us of people who are wanting a place to kind of anchor the sharing that we're doing and uh, go deeper. W- would you sketch a little bit Fierce Love? That's so generous of you. Thank you so much. Um, writing a book I've discovered is a really, well, I, 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 I don't know for sure. I didn't, I never had a baby, but it feels like this might be what it's like. Um, <laughs> I had been really wrestling, Jared, I think for the time we've known each other for like at least 10 years of just like, why is the church, why is religion, why is religion so hard? Why is it, why are we so mean? Why are we so in out? Y'all can't rules, borders, boundaries, as opposed to love, or as Brian McLaren would say, religion means to bind ourselves together. So what, what, why are, why is it not working that way? And I started wrestling, I drew with this idea of, you know, if we would grow up and let our faith grow up. Maybe we'd have a grown-up relationship with a grown-up God. That's hmm. kind of where I started about 10 years ago. My PhD is in psych and religion, and I was really wrestling with, like, what happens to the God image, and why do we need an angry God, or, you know, what's that about? Uh, but I honestly, as, as, as the last decade and a half rolled by, um, I'm going to say from the killing of Trayvon Martin all through Black Lives Matter, through rise in anti-Semitism, through a woman in a hijab having her arm burned in you know, downtown New York, I, I really did think maybe we just needed other language. Like maybe if we didn't have so much religious language, we could find our way to a shared ethic. 
And so Middle had been having a revolutionary love conference uh, for the last 15 years. And the scripture that I'm going to have us talking about tonight has been my sort of compass scripture for a long time, God is love. And I just wondered, what if we were talking about love? Not Nami Hammy codependent love song, Hallmark card love, you know, but the kind of love that is what your wives have had to push more than one baby out of their bodies mm. apart. You know, the kind of love that keeps us making up with each other no matter what, the kind of love that makes us wade into the tepid waters uh, post Katrina, post Sandy, post Maria to save each other the kind of love that we know God had for us to put God's love in the world as human flesh. So I think that love is fierce. I think it's dangerous. I think it's rule-breaking, courageous, um, unbounded, uh, risky, frisky love. And so I wrote this book from my heart. Um, It was June 19th when I sold the book. And I was convinced that all the publishers everywhere were thinking about Black people and George Floyd. So good things were happening, you know, like (laughs) Black folks were getting deals, Black artists were getting art, Black folks were getting commissioned, because I think in some way, uh, George's murder just cracked our hearts wide open and made us know how much trouble we're in. Uh, So I sold the book to um, Penguin Random House, and I wrote it while my church was closed down during COVID, like yours were and post our fire. So characters in my book are COVID and fire and American racism. And it changed me, Jared, writing the book changed me. I thought I knew what I knew, but something shifted inside me, Drew, like writing it ripped me open and put my splachnum, my guts on the table and what do I really believe in now? And I feel vulnerable by it and also strong by it. And it's uh, it's personal, it's memoir plus theology. And um, yeah, that's what I did. Uh, it feels like it's my organizing principle. Right now. Jackie, you mentioned the fire for, for those who um, are maybe hearing uh, you for the first time. Um, w- would you just give a snapshot of um, the tragedy that went down for your community. Yeah, guys, we, um, the collegiate church where I'm a senior minister, the first black or female since 1628, that's a long time, uh, to be the senior, a senior minister in our collegium. My part of that on the lower east side of Manhattan uh, suffered a fire on December 5th, 2020, six alarm fire that destroyed our sanctuary started in a neighboring building, careless, not, not, not arson, but just not carefulness, right? Um, all these old wood buildings and it just, it just torched. So we had been outside of our building doing worship since March of 2022 years, like y'all shut down, but the building burned in that December and we, it's different to not have a building, to think that you're not in. So we've been really working for the last uh, 14 months or so on what it takes to rebuild. Can we rebuild? Can we afford to rebuild? And the fire keeps burning, right? Your sadness, your sorrow, the economic realities of New York. Yeah. So we're, 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 we're almost ready to decide April 4th is decision time. 
Hmm. I don't know what we're doing from there. Oh, that's a lot to carry. Yeah, that is a lot. Yeah. I know so many people have been um, blessed by the ministry of your church and uh, from you, your ministry personally. And so, yeah, we'll continue to remember, you know, you all as you kind of work through this. And I, and I know that specifically as you were talking about how you were describing love and just the, the fierce love literally that you were describing, um, I just have come across so many folks who are yearning for that, that very thing. And they're uh, hanging on by a thread, right? Looking for that very thing. And so um, I think that's it's such a gift. Uh, I would say right now, but I, I, we could say always, right? Uh, that that kind of love is, is a gift. Um, one of the things that we love to do is to kind of ground our conversation um, around a text. Uh, can you share a particular text with us and read it for us? We'd love to hear that now. I will. I love that. Before you all joined us, I was teasing Jared and Drew, like you're gonna go preach. It's like I'm gonna read three scriptures. <laughs> Try to preach with them, but uh, that doesn't really work that well. But I do have two two texts uh, in mind. One being really this um, beautiful passage in First John four. Yeah, uh, that is that writer in that joining community really hearkening back to Jewish uh, text. Mm-hmm that the Jews are homeless and wandering in the wilderness and they make a tabernacle for God's glory. They have instructions and they get to put the glory of God, the Shekinah glory of God in this tabernacle so they can take God with them where they go. I love that. I'll go with y'all. Let's get in the tabernacle. And so in this space where, where the writer is reminding people like, you know, God, let me tell you, God is love. Uh, says this, in uh, 4, 7, beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God for God is love. God's love is revealed among us in this way. God sent God's only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent God's son to be the at-winning sacrifice for our sins. And beloved, since God loved us so much, we we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and God's love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in God and God in us because God has given us the spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the father has sent his son as savior of the world. God abides in those who confess Jesus is the son of God and they abide in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. And then just this piece more, God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Meneo is the Greek. Uh, The Hebrew is the word for tabernacle. Mm. Those who tabernacle in God, tabernacle in love. Those who tabernacle in love, tabernacle in God. It's like a 
know, transitive property of equality or something, right? Mm-hmm. right. <laughs> living in love is living in God. Tabernacling in love is tabernacling in God. So that's the first scripture. And I think the second one, I'll just say one sentence of Psalm 139, which is just all the everything. But just, you know, to start with God, you've searched me and known me, you know, my lying down and my rising up like this kind of love that knows everything about us. Is there any place I can go where I can escape your spirit? If I make my bed in hell, if I tabernacle in hell, you're there. And if I make my bed in heaven, if I tabernacle in heaven, you're there. Just wanted to tie those two together. So that's it. Looking forward to that dialoguing with you around that. Yeah. Mm, Powerful. And um, uh, some of the first scriptures I learned when I got out of the waters of baptism as well. Um, uh, So this is extra special for me. Um, Jackie, I want to... Um, give you an opportunity to invite us into your narrative around the scriptures. When do you first remember encountering the Bible? My earliest member, mem- remembrance of Bible is Bible via mom and dad at the dinner hmm. table. So their canon, right, was our canon. They gave us a God to love, to follow mother. Um, and they gave us scripture before we could read. So Jesus wept, you know, mm-hmm. was the first verse to, to memorize. And then Psalm 23, and then mm-hmm. the Beatitudes, and then, and then the Ten Commandments. And um, the Lord's Prayer, which I think I memorized the Lord's Prayer before I actually knew what it meant. Hallowet be thy name. I was like, what? Why is the name wet? But hallowet be thy name. <laughs> There was this kind of black churchness of my mom and dad. They grew up in Mississippi and they, you know, they went to, my dad was in Meridian, um, you know, in country churches at first. And my mom was uh, actually a member of the church where Fannie Lou Hamer sang and came to Mississippi. Yeah. But, but like, you know, did their preachers read, you know, you know, I don't know, but it was really strong oral tradition. And so that's what they did for us. When I got my first Bible, I had taken the first communion uh, in the Presbyterian church. You can take communion if you're little, if your mom and dad vouch for you. And the Bible came, but before that came mommy's midrash on Mm -hmm. the texts that are of Jesus breaking bread and sharing cup. And so my pastor, Reverend Brown, in his bell bottoms and big afro, <laughs> sat there going, womp, 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 whatever he was saying, I don't know, I was seven, womp, womp, womp. But when the bread came by, mom said, this bread means God will always love you. Mm. Wow. Oh. <laughs> okay. And it was that Hawaiian bread, y'all, that now everybody scoops out and makes dip with. <laughs> it was that sweet Hawaiian bread, and I ate it. And she's whispering, "God will always love you." And she smells like Jergens lotion and Ginate and Ultra Sheen. <laughs> and the bread is good, and God will always love me. It's a very sensory experience. Mm-hmm. And when the cup comes by, she says, "And God will never leave you." Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. You know, I get my Bible that day with Jackie Lewis, but 
the Bible really that day was that hermeneutic of yeah. God's love being constant. Wow. That's powerful. That's really powerful, yeah. Jackie. I love that. I love that story so much. <laughs> and you were taking me back to, you know, almost most of those verses that you said you memorized, my parents had us memorizing, you know, all those texts and stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, I was having a little moment. I had to break out of that little, little flashback I was having for moments. Um, but I'm curious, as you kind of think back about, you know, your encounters, so some of it is oral. Um, in fact, much of it sounds like it was oral. Um, how would you describe, you know, so many people have different experiences with how the text is being taught and how they're encountering it, how they're experiencing it. Were you experiencing um, scripture or these sacred scriptures as liberating, as oppressive, as something mm -hmm. else? So I'm curious how you would kind of describe that relationship. I, you know, when I saw your notes, I thought you guys, that, those are like the best questions of the world. And then in my book, I, I, Fierce Love, I actually am trying to track my uh, theological evolution or my hermeneutical mm -hmm. evolution, something. Mm -hmm. You know, the very first lens is God is love. And that really like, we love you. I got called the N word for the first time when I was five years old. Mm -hmm. And when I, when I came home to tell the story to my parents, um, mommy said, isn't it silly that people will think because you're a Negro, dating myself, we were Negroes back then. Yep, um, yep. Like, because you're a Negro, you're not as good as they are. And that was so silly. And then we prayed that night that no matter how someone looks, they'll know they're loved. So mommy was very like, you know, love is the hermeneutic, right? This is very clear. Wow. Mm -hmm. and, and constancy and presence. And almost like God was a substitute parent. You know, if we mm -hmm. love you so much, and God loves you so much and we got you type of thing. Dad was in that same incident, dad went and kind of confronted the base commander, like somebody gonna to apologize today. 1963, y'all, my dad oh, yeah. is, there will be an apology and it, and it happened. That, that girl's daddy apologized to dad, she apologized to me. So in a way wow. I had love and liberation, right? I wouldn't have known that, but it was like love and liberation and that they were not separate. And if I'm honest, and I, I do write this too, it's like Jackie good girl being all the things and saying yes, ma'am, and no, sir, and you know, clickety, clickety, click, and sort of Dorothy Ozzy type perfection. God as loving liberator was the jam. But I think as we became teenagers, my mom and dad still had God as substitute parent or adjunct parent. Mm -hmm. But as a parent would be mad at you if, like, so it was another kind of a thing yeah. that entered in, like, <laughs> like adjunct parent, like, you better not cuss, you better not fuck back, you better be sassy, you better be obedient, you better not even think that you're going to think about thinking about having sex. That's for sure not going to happen mm -hmm. if you're a girl. And so the, the adjunct parent, maybe they projected onto that parent all the things that they wanted to control us with is what I would say as a psychologist. Mm -hmm. and, that, and, then, and then now I, who am madly in love with God, now have fear along with love and shrinking away from, and I'm wired to be a goody two shoes, so cool. But 
the first moment that something failed in my life or I made a mistake. And I don't want to shock your viewers or your listeners, but that when I'm 22 years old and it's two weeks before my wedding, two weeks, Drew, before my wedding, yeah. my fiance and I neck a little far that night and are not quite as pure as we meant to be on the wedding day. Six months later, I had a car accident and I was positive that God was punishing me. Hmm. Positive hmm. that I, who had been perfect, prissy, good, kind, generous, loving, taught Sunday school, sang in the choir, never sassied anybody, perfect God girl, screwed up and had sex. And therefore, the car accident was a punishment. Hmm. Come on, y'all. Mm-hmm. It was devastating. And, and therefore, I had a shadow God, like a, you know, my sort of front-facing yeah. God was like, love is a, a splendid thing, you know, whatever. But the shadow God that I had developed listening to the world, listening to my parents, who didn't mean any harm, right? Listening to my mm-hmm. preacher, listening, reading. There was like the, but the other God, and it's all in there, right? The, the world screws up. I'm going to have a flood and kill everybody. What well, his name? Look over his shoulder. I'm going to kill the whole world. Is there two good people? You know, this other mm-hmm. God image of just, I'm here to just wound you and kill you and choke you and hurt you if you don't get it right mm. that's that was devastating mm. I, I had like a little i had like a little god breakup for a while i was like mm-hmm. I, I almost died because i made a mistake that's the that's the only conclusion i could draw it was really tough yeah really tough Jackie, I so appreciate you sharing that because I think there's so many people who um, you you are mapping a geography of people's own mm-hmm. psychology when it comes to God and and that kind of fraction not only in ourself but in our image of God. This isn't one of our official questions that we kind of um, in, invite, but if you'd excuse me leaving the script for just a bit, I'd be really interested as somebody who... Um, sacred duty is to share these texts with people on a weekly basis in ways that do liberate um, with the, the love um, that we receive in, in the life of the Nazarene. Do, um, do you see the scriptures as um, uh, naming these dynamics that we already hold, like this kind of fracture, what you named as the, the shadow image of God, um, uh, or... Like, are those things already present? They're being named and being worked with in the scriptures. Are they um, uh, being um, produced by the scriptures and then we need to work through them um, and, and then we're invented, invited into the wrestle? Or is it a little bit of both? Like, how do... Um, That's a I'm just a, question. I'm, I'm just aware that for, for some people who, uh, particularly out of some certain traditions, and if people haven't spent time with our um, Jewish um, neighbours and friends, that sometimes it can fall into the kind of the Old Testament with no appreciation that the Hebrew scriptures are what like produce the imagination and beauty and brilliance of our Lord. <laughs> um, 
in, instead of actually doing work. this. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> instead of doing this work that you're inviting us into. Would you speak to that a little? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Thank you so much for that, Jared. Like, you know, listen, first of all, all of us, I think, are theologians um, mm. in residence in our own lives. And this mm. is something I love that you nodded, uh, April. I, I, my, I feel like my job, since I, since I got conscious that I had a job in church, in the life of God was to have a theological imagination. Uh, I was reading your poetry today and your book is just beautiful, right? Like this, yeah. like our theological imagination is like our love language with God. And, and the um, Anna Maria Rizzuto, y'all who are weird nerds like me, but this book, the book, the book Birth of the Living God, this wonderful psychoanalyst, uh, Anna Maria Rizzuto, a nun, like God is real, ma'am, but we don't know what God is really. It's a mystery. God is a mystery. So we're always making up God a little bit. Like, you know, the sunset and the baby's noise and the you know, stained glass window and the most beautiful hymn and the curve of an arm when you're dancing and the way you ate the bread in the cup, like all of these things form the image of God for us. And Jared and I could both preach the same text. We could all meet Jared, same text, same day, same life, same America, same worldview. And we would have different sermons because we have different images of what God is, all of us do. And that's to me, the way God's generous to say, you know, how, how, how you see me? Okay, cool. Mm. Yeah, let's, let's, let's do that. Like God, I think is multilingual, um, wants yeah. to reach us through any means necessary. Coming, coming quicker to the answer to your, your question there, you know, so the people who write these texts, yes, that are inspired by Holy Spirit, are also humans working on a mystery. And so let's just go, you know, Moses, for example, who is both, like his origin story is like, I was, you know, I was snatched out of my family because the people were oppressive and put on the river. And, oh my goodness, Pharaoh's, this Pharaoh's sister claimed me and then I was raised in the castle. Like, so all these, but his origin story has got both oppression and rescue and deliverance and privilege, you know, just use him, right? So when he's preaching, writing, thinking, all that story's in there, all that story's in there, plus the story of his ancestors, plus the story of his ancestors' ancestors. So also for Mary singing the song, so also for Elizabeth, you know, so also for Paul. So we get this, we get the truth through the personality of the people, right? Mm. Like you and I preach through the personalities of our, ourselves. And therefore, the Bible is full of God as nurturing mother, breastfeeding womb, mm. and kick your ass, you know, patriarch and mm -hmm. sister, brother, friend, you know, and, you know, all that is all in there because it's all in here. And I think what I would love to raise in the world is people who would just be sophisticated a little more to know that mm -hmm. so that we are flexible. So we're not like mad at each other all the time and like wow. you're wrong and you're stupid. Like th this person's listening to the thing through their thing. And so are you. Yeah. But, but what is the predominant narrative? I think our job also to, is to say the predominant narrative is God who comes all the way down. Mm. 
because we're loved. That's the guiding narrative. I, I love you weasels enough to come all the way down in the midst of you to teach you what love is. So then I say, you proof text the gospel by love. You proof, proof text the Hebrew scriptures by love. What's love got to do with it? Mm-hmm. If it ain't got that much to do with yeah. love, I think we might want to ask our, we might want to be suspicious about it. Yeah, My mum will be good. so pleased listening to this and hearing Tina quoted. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> now, that was so pastoral. And I think, you know, I mean, these are the questions. I was literally having a similar conversation this uh, morning, me and my colleague, Brian Smith, uh, were talking with students um, and helping them think through, these undergrad students, mm-hmm. helping them think through the different ways that um, the Bible was used to endorse slavery and justify slavery. And in many ways, um, we got to the point of just stressing, because I think for students, they want to be a little naive and be like, oh, they were foolish back then. But like the the those who are justifying slavery had an easier time cherry picking verses than the abolitionists did. The abolitionists had to have a, a different kind mm-hmm. of hermeneutic and no, a different right. way of reading yep. the text, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think, you know, as... It, these are just very practical kind of when when people are confronted with these challenges um, that they've got to think through. And I appreciate both. You talked about the paradoxical images of God that are, you know, this. I mean, I've never heard anyone or the adjunct parent. I appreciate that. <laughs> that's, yeah. right, right? Um, that's, yeah. really, that's helpful. God's going to get you. Um, it's like, right. you're not, mm-hmm. wait till your God gets home. Right, right. <laughs> I can even. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. It's coming for you. That's right. I can even see myself at times having to restrain myself from falling back into right uh, the very things that I had, the ways that I had experienced that other side of God. Right. Not mm-hmm. also definitely introduced to this loving God, um, but also that there was this other thing happening. And so yeah. Anyway, I appreciate all that. So I guess. You know, thinking of all of that you just shared, I'm curious, like, what from your own story and experience um, shapes your lens for reading the Bible, right? Um, and I think you've kind of shared already, but maybe just we can make it plain again for us. Sure. But, you know, how do you come to the text? What's your hermeneutic? Uh, and that might be a gift for others as they're trying to come back to these texts and trying to read them again. Yeah. Yeah. First of all. And thank you for just having a podcast that invites us to think theologically and about scripture. I'm so uh, proud to be a part of Inverse today. You know, I would say my, my hermeneutic is a combination of three things, um, liberation and love and suspicion. And so I'll do them quickly. You know, I, I really do believe that the Hebrew and Christian scriptures predominant narrative is God liberates God's people uh, for love from from bondage to love um, creates in love um, opens the seas for love you, you know before that speaks in the wind through love inspires through love um, there's a, there's a this the, this the you know I say God is in the business of liberation mm-hmm. and it feels to me drew I think you might have said the word slavery uh, but, yeah. you know, all the things that enslave us, you know, greed and avarice and malice and anger and fear and lust and, you know, and by the way, Egyptians and, you know, white people, <laughs> you know, whatever, right? Enslaved, yeah. enslaved, yeah. but, yeah. but, but also just kind of shackles to patterns 
right? And um, oppressive systems. And I just think God wants us to be free. And I would say the suspicion part comes because I think even though we, all of us would say, is God a God of slavery? No, God's a God of liberation. Yet I think we've built in shackles throughout our, our Christian life, our, our life of faith. You know, you, you girls can't, you boys can't, priests can't get married and you, nobody can, only, only certain people can eat the bread or drink the cup, what? <laughs> like, you, you know, you can't be a part of this. You know? So we've created whole systems of the ways to mimic the empire from which we were meant to be liberated. Even, even ordination, even elders, deacons, officers, um, even who can lead, who can sit on the pole, what, who, what happened? I, I think Jesus might be like scratching his head and you know having tea and thinking they're gonna get it together someday. But this way that we built more shackles to enslave us from free loving of God is fascinating to me. It's the way systems keep duplicating themselves. So we, we, you know, we, we got Jesus in the midst of empire to, to dismantle empire, and then we created more empire in the name of Jesus. So liberation and suspicion go together around all the ways that we sneak in a little bondage, you know, <laughs> sneak in just a little, a little bondage to prohibit some of us from enjoying the fruits of liberation. I'm troubled by that. And the third thing is love. You know, I really do think if we would ask ourselves, no kidding, what would love have me do today? Because God is love, right? So substituting, what would God have me do today? What would love have me do today? I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm recovering from fire in a system that's going through some transitions and things. And I can just watch sometimes the way it isn't love that's driving. It's, it's fear, it's anger, it's hurt, it's you know, um, yeah, um, fragility uh, as opposed to love. So those are my three um, posts, Drew, that, that push me. Sometimes I'm pinging off of them like a pinball, but those are the three things I try to ask myself. Is it liberative? Is it about love? And then I'm suspicious if it's not liberative and about love at the same time. I'm so aware with the um, with the tragedy that your community has gone through. Um, this journey that you so eloquently like lay out around our images of God and God's um, uh, graciousness and expansiveness to meet us in our own experiences uh, in our own life that um, we often revert in these times of trauma to um, earlier images or images um, that are uh, the compost we need to work with um, rather than um, the, the beauty that grows out of it. We'd love to see you do what you do in practice with these texts. Would you walk us around these texts some and show for, for those who are facing their own fires and uh, please don't hear me reducing what your community is going through to a metaphor yeah, for others, really but uh, I'm, I'm trying to draw parallels for those who are listening um, that when, when we stand in the ashes of what 
um, was our home, our sanctuary, our place of meeting, our place of community gathering, uh, a place of meaning and worship, a place where we once sung praise and now we don't know um, whether we'll gather like that again. Would you teach us to walk around these texts in ways that we can have that maturity that you're inviting us into? I feel like your questions, like write a poem. That's really beautiful the way you said that. You know, I'm, I'm going to start with one, 139, uh, though I didn't read a lot of it to walk us around that for just a minute. Thank you for the, just the opportunity, guys. You know, I think um, when I wrote this Fierce Love book, I start with love yourself. All the world's major religions have something like love your neighbor as yourself, right? The Quran says don't withhold from someone that what you need for yourself. Um, you know that the Hebrew scriptures say, actually, you should love the stranger more than it says love your neighbor, because we were strangers in a strange land. Jesus, Rabbi Jesus, go like, okay, yep, that's right. Love God with everything. Love your neighbor as yourself. Um, doing midrash, do unto others who have them do unto yourself. Uh, the six say, the six, not the Sikhs, they're six, say, try not to break anyone else's heart. Hmm. Wow. Huh. Imagine a world in which we weren't trying to break anyone else's heart. And I just am clear to that what's happening is that we actually are often loving our neighbors as ourselves. And since we don't love ourselves, we're loving our neighbors pretty poorly. Hmm. Just yeah. are. Like, so you got people making policy, people writing doctrine, people preaching sermons, people on the subway, hmm. right? People making decisions, laws, not loving themselves. They're, they don't love themselves at the center of it. So they don't really love their neighbors either. And mm. this to me is a big poverty in the center of human uh, community. So this Psalm 139 Midrash is, I love these David Midrashes, you know, like the backstory on David is maybe he's a B-A-S-T-A-R-D child. Did y'all know that? Mm. If his daddy had stopped loving his mama and there was a nurse type chick and they traded clothes and he went in there, went into her, do you know what I mean? Thinking it was the wife, but maybe it was, I mean, this is a, this is a little midrash in the midrash that maybe mm -hmm. David's issue is not only is he small, but he doesn't really belong in that family. So oh, when wow. I think about that psychodynamically or all the ways Drew and, um, and, and, and Jared that we feel left out, not in the center, broken, da, 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 all the things that make us a certain kind of way, or as my friend Natalie would say, fill away, and then David, 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 who screwed all the way up, right? And either had sex with or raped Bathsheba, depending on how you read it. Mm -hmm. Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my laying down and my rising up. Is there anything I can do? Is there anywhere I can go that you won't come get me? It's like the mm -hmm. Velveteen Rabbit moment, right? Like if I make my bed in hell, if I make my bed in heaven, if I say I'm going to go to the far corners of the earth, even there your right hand will come and find me. Can I hide from you anywhere? I think I'm hiding. I think I'm pretending. I think I have a facade. I think I am not, you can't see my junk. And you say, oh, even the darkness is his light. Mm. No persona, no fake, I'm here. When I think about that David writing this song, this is the most liberative, loving, fierce, loving psalm that God, like Paul says, nothing separates us from the love of, love of God. Shall, mm. shall, shall death, shall peril, heck no, nothing. This is David, nothing, 
Not even my crazy, wanton, lusty junk means you don't love me. I think that's some bold, fierce Mm. love right there. He preaches, he writes out of experience. That's his experience of God who sees him and doesn't leave him, that knew him, that knitted him perfectly in his mother's womb, that that could not ever disappoint him, that knows not only what he's going to say, but what he's going to think, what he's going to do, and every hair on his head. I want us to think about this psalm as an anchor in this Lenten season on the way to the cross, on the way to resurrection. Our church is thinking about um, wading in the wilderness. Like, what does it mean to wade in the wildness, right? Like, when you can wade in the wildness and know you can't fall down without God picking you up, you can't make a mistake without God loving you, you can't transgress without God seeing the best part of you, this is my jam, because I have made mistakes and felt God's face never leave me. Like the face that will never leave you, Jim Loder would say, like is on the face of our father, mother, sister, brother, God. This is Psalm 139 for us and them. We're so judgmental. We hate them, but God doesn't hate them. (laughs) They get to call on that God also who sees them and knows them. And maybe if what, we would say to each other as we have that God in common, that love in common. We really think we're siblings. Hmm. That's good. That's, that's, that's that good, one. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's that one. And then when we get to this. You know, oh, Jackie, this, I, I know you're about to, to supersize this sermon and uh, <laughs> I, I'm not rejecting the upgrade. That, that's that's. Um, but if, if we can pause here after our first course, um, okay. because. Jared. Like you that, said you said some things. You 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 really and I, I want to uh, I want to draw attention to the the subtlety of the psychology of what you're inviting us into there as well because we've been talking about like our shadow images of God and in this text you've turned to um, uh, how we wrestle with our own shadow um, and. Um, I'm drawing connections that like if, if the rich work of our own integration and transformation and what it is to, um, to allow love to tabernacle in us um, is actually found in, in working with the stuff that we want to deny, that we want to hide from, that we want no one else to see and no one else to know. Look at me, and, Jim. I'm like, and bam. <laughs> but but what you're, what you're inviting us into in, in David's story is not only to do that, but I'm also hearing you um, a, an invitation um, implied in terms of these stories about um, what we see as the shadow stuff of God, right? Like um, our, uh, that which we must work with where, you know, Jung would say the gold is actually found there, right? Like um, would, would you draw the connections for us? or just make explicit what I think uh, between self-love um, and like. God, love. God. Yeah. Love of God. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Jared. I mean, truth, truth, truth. I think sometimes we've created a God that we need to hate. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think sometimes we've just, we've just decided that we're not worthy, that we're worms, that we're crap. And the only God to have, if we're crap, is a God 
just disdains us, that just despises us, that doesn't love us. And sin his son, killed his son. But mm-hmm. that's right. Yeah. And all of that's all part of that kind of like violence and yep. hatred and disdain. And, you know, I can't really suffer you. But, mm-hmm. but I think, what if those writers just, because that's our imagination starts with their imagination. You know, it's in there. The word for mercy and womb is almost the same word in the same That's right. Words. Like it's in there that there's this loving, tender, sweet, warm, loamy, dark space of creativity and nurture that goes, oh my God, Jacqueline, yes, you are so crazy. Really, girl, I'm so stupid. <laughs> but I really love you so much. Let's, let's, let's move, let's move in a different direction. Why isn't that as much a motivator for us to be transformed as opposed to there's going to be another flood and there's going to be a fire and there's going to be brimstone and there's going to be hell like, or you'll miss out on me, honey. If you don't get it together, you'll miss out on the communion of saints, the communion of saintliness, the communion of love. If you don't come on girl, you can do it. I think about the parenting that happened to me in my life. My mom and dad had different styles. And yeah, they both raised me, but I, I leaned into my mother's womb. I leaned into her. Jackie, it hurts my feelings when you talk back to me. What? It hurts my feel. Oh, <laughs> you know, mm. that's a different kind of energy. Yeah. And so, and I'm not saying it's only feminine because it's not. I'm married to a man who's just exactly like that. Mm-hmm. that you know, that gentle, loving spirit of discipline. So I'm saying, y'all, there's no way we can pretend, y'all, that we had a typewriter at the scene and somebody took notes and the notes are accurate and precise about who God is. Mm -hmm. We're all always seeking and yearning and trying to figure it out. And so what you look for is what you'll see. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Wow. So I want to say, before I go to course two, this right <laughs> yeah. here, this this psalm and like Psalm eighty five, where where the psalmist says, "We're a little less than God," and some of us mm-hmm. can't read that translations are like, "We're a little less than angels." No, Elohim is God everywhere else. So mm-hmm. we're a little less than God, not we're God, but we're a little less than God, which is to say something about how God wants us to be with God in the world as co-creators, yes. as stewards, as partners, as co-lovers, like, you know, like, let's do this together. Let's heal it together. Let's repair the breach together. This is the fast I desire. Like the way I would read the whole Bible is God looking for a partner. Mm-hmm. Adam is looking for a partner and God gives an Ezer Kedmegdo that is good partner. God wants partners out of us and wants us to partner with each other. Who do we think? What do we think it is? What do we think it is? A journey to get to what? A journey to never make a mistake and parachute out of life into heaven. Really? Right. No, like to flourish, (laughs) to flourish with everyone else and all the creation in the gaze of a loving creator that set us in motion to do good and gave us space to figure it out. And are we going to figure it out? I mean, because Drew, I mean, 
the the flood story is a radically different story if it's if if it's actually working with the other myths that other people are telling and seeking a revelation in the midst of it and going no actually the problem is violence right let, let, let's name that for for um and there is hope on the other side and it's hope for all things that that's a that's a very a covenant a with all of take. creation that's a that's yeah. a different take that is actually working with the raw material of what's out there at the moment in terms of people's projections of God that Jackie, you're inviting us into. But I think so many of us are so committed to um, what is the most punitive reading and that must be the most faithful. <laughs> and it's right. because we, yep. we, we've not been taught that it's okay to play in the theological, oh. right? We, you wow. can't play in the theological space. You can't dream or poem or dance or, you know, in the theological space, because if you do, that God we've already created will be mad at you and bad things will happen. As opposed to like, what if we said to our children, Drew, in the beginning was God and God said, come play with me. Like, yes. come, come talk yeah. to me, let's work it out. Let's think about it together, let's work it out. Let's figure it out. And your, your babies are like, wow, what if God is the rainbow? What if, yeah, you know, yeah. Like every human has a, their language with God. What, um, what has been called by Anne Ulanov primary speech, our prayer, the first prayer I have a grandbaby who's four. You're supposed to tell stories. She's almost four. She's almost four. She's been going to church since she was an infant. And then that's two years of COVID. Ophelia, church on TV. Her mother doesn't say we have to go to church. She just turns it on. And every Sunday, Ophelia has to watch church on TV. Like she watches, you know, Frozen and all those things. Mm -hmm. Encanto. And every Sunday, she puts her hands on the television to get a blessing from Nana. I love it. And has taught her brother to do that. They're not telling her like God is met. Like, who's preaching today? Her father accidentally the other day went, Jesus, and caught himself like he was about to make a swear with Jesus. Jesus. And she went, Christ? <laughs> so, like, <laughs> just setting. Is that what He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> just like, but just setting the table. Yeah. For them to fall in love with God, Drew. Yeah. yeah Not fear God. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. I'm ready for more. I'm ready for more. That's right. Mm. Okay. So, so this other text, like just first time for it. First of all, somebody will say, well, Jeff, you didn't read the parts where it feels like it's just about Christians. Well, whatever. John had his own deal he was doing. But <laughs> my midrash on John is he's really speaking to his Hebrew audience. And all of this like language that harkens back to Israel in the desert, this idea of tabernacle, like think about it guys, this is one of our formative, beautiful, crazy texts where God comes as glory, as cloud, as fire to get the people out of Israel. And they're like, okay, 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 okay. Well. You know, we're hungry and we're thirsty and they're whining and complaining. And God's glory goes up on the mountain and hangs out on the mountain and invites Moses to come up on the mountain. And then Moses gets a shiny face, like whatever. <laughs> I, can, I can go down in a exegetical you know, rabbit hole about that shiny face. Like what's going mm -hmm. on with that face? What's that about? Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, whatever it is, I got to cover it. I got to uncover it. And it's shiny and this glory. But in the end, God comes down out of the mountain. 
and, and like hangs out in the tent. So everybody can have God and then gets in the tabernacle and gets dusty in the desert. I think that's fabulous. That's an evolution of like, that's like called, that's like God in the ghetto, that's God in the body, mm-hmm. that's God in the, like, yeah. um, in the high school dance, you know, everywhere. If you can be in the little box traveling like God, first you have to make it a certain kind of way, but still God is there. And then, and then, and then God is love y'all Jewish people and if you make your tent your box in love you've made it in me and I've made it in you love is the tabernacle Mm. what love is the tabernacle not four by four and twelve by so and so and so and so and so and made a certain kind of wood love is the tabernacle so which makes us all love shacks baby (laughs) 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 right and all the way through, like take it all the way through. First John, uh, John and the Revelator. We pretty soon we didn't need lamps in the city because the city was so full of the glory of God, you didn't need it. Like that's Zechariah and Joel and John. Like the like the presence of God is everywhere. This God who came to love us didn't want to be stuck in a box. Mm-hmm. Wanted to be set free in the city, <coughs> in the town, in the people. The project of God is to be tabernacle-less, temple-less, sanctuary-less, and be in the people, mm-hmm. in the creature, in the ocean, in the rivers, in the seas. I'm clear the trajectory of God is from created order back into created order. The God mm-hmm. is everywhere and in everything. Find Richard Rohr if y'all think I'm crazy. But everything is Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Everything is is God. Everything is Christ. Your baby's small hand. Mm. The ocean that you dance in. The greens with salt pork. Mm. The conversation. I think God wants to be let loose everywhere. Mm. Everywhere. So that we are all God together and that's the end of time right there when mm. everything is god i'm a little woo there but that's what i think uh, a little woo with the christian mystics <laughs> yes. you, you're in you're in good company and 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 the the difference between pantheism versus panentheism is a subject for another podcast like you're you're not (laughs) we we don't have to um i just want don't want people to miss everything you're inviting us into jackie friends i want i'm so grateful that i'm so grateful that in this easter moment in this on the way to easter moment that jared and drew invite me here to say like, what if our Lenten journey isn't about getting to the cross so we can think about dying and living again? But what if our Lenten journey is about dying to just crap religion? Hmm. What if our Lenten journey is about putting on the cross the religion that is not meant to bind us together, the religion that is about stoking hate, the religion that is about making a small club? What if, what if we're supposed to let die a puny God that only has room for a few of us. Yeah. And instead, the resurrection is compromises mm. everywhere, everywhere, everywhere.
That's it's beautiful. And, you know, I mean, I always am thinking about um, some, I'm thinking about your two passages together now, and I'm thinking about, I'm always thinking about parenting, right? Mm. My three little ones that just keep me, you know. But um, the other day, I, I made a confession in our, so we run um, a subversive seminary group. I think yeah. that's what I did, but I made a confession. I think it was for that, or maybe it was in a, a Q&A after a podcast, but I confessed that I, because um, someone asked me how I was doing, and I said I was feeling bad because I had just yelled at one of my kids because he had pushed the younger sibling pretty hard. Oh. Um, and, and of course, you know, I sent them to bed and I was all angry and stuff. And the next day I'd like apologize. Cause that's not the kind of relationship I want to have and how to kind of work through, you know, when there's conflict or when one of them does harm to others. Um, and constantly, and, and I think a, a lot of this has to do with like, you know, on one hand, how I was raised, and then also then my expansive understanding of God's love, right? Um, and, and maybe that's kind of what you were getting at earlier with the paradoxical, the shadow images of God and stuff, mm -hmm. but just wanting to be that love for mm -hmm. my children, to embody that, for them to experience that both I love them and God loves them no matter what. And there's they can try to enter into their shame or insecurities, whatever, and still it's still overwhelming. God loves them, sees them, knows them. Um, and but I want to be a an expression of that, right? For mm -hmm. them. Um, and so yeah, anyway, I'm just thinking through uh, just on the practical on, you know, these relationships of even where you think it'd be easy, but it can these moments, right? that where you slip from that and want to just lean into the expansiveness of God's love that tabernacles and is ex can't be contained, but is, right. you know, yeah. bigger and broader than we can ever imagine. Yeah. yeah. Yet you still want to swat your kids sometimes. Yeah. Hey. Mm -hmm. and, hey. and, you, and, and you still want to tell your husband, shut up, you know, like right. you know, yeah. we, I think I want, I love the kind of it, truth right there too, that, you know, we are also just human and we are leaning into mm -hmm. uh, learning uh, on a journey toward, you know, being more like God. Um, I think about uh, Rabbi uh, Kushner's book, How Good Do You Have to Be? Has a beautiful midrash on this, on the apple fruit eaten Eve, you know, whatever. I was just about to, yeah, yeah. Go there, go there. Oh, there and he's you know he basically he's he's jewish right he's a rabbi so he's doing the rabbis 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 midrash on the rabbis and he's basically saying that he thinks that the creation story that story is based on ethiopian stories of a two-sided hmm. being getting separated and finding its way back and that's what the side is about and, and whatever making a rib blah blah but 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 his most important uh, teaching in that moment is the human had to eat the fruit because they had to get the wisdom because they were evolving. That the, that the story is about evolution, that we were becoming more human, but also more like God. Mm -hmm. uh, this, this is, <laughs> for anybody who spent any time with Eastern Orthodoxy, this is actually really important to the Eastern Orthodox imagination. Um, uh, and the, as the text said, they have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What it is to say that um, 
uh, God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Like we haven't even left um, the the Hebrew scriptures um, uh, uh, that Christians refer to the Old Testament um, and move to like texts like the Hebrew scriptures that we call the the New Testament there. Um, but there there is something in who God is that has integrated that which would become evil and instead like i mean it's not lost on me that that here is john as a jew daring to name the unnameable as love yeah. and as light and and what is it that um uh, these things are that no darkness is found so what does god do with that which god knows both good and evil and what are we being invited to in terms of knowing those parts of ourselves, because God does not get rid of them. And I think this is where the importance of, um, Jackie, I loved how you invited us to reflect in Lent uh, about um, what it means to be moving towards a cross and see that in ways that aren't um, about a, a punitive killing off of something in ourselves, but in, instead um, what it is to actually see the cross as an invitation to die to that which doesn't give life. That's phenomenal. But this journey of what is it for us to know both good and evil and still be good? What yeah. is it for us to know both good and evil and still like live in light, um, participate in love? And that this isn't um, some like, this is the core of what we're invited into. This isn't some extra for the super saints. Um, this is what it is to be human and know that this anger that I'm feeling isn't bad, but could destroy me and others. How is it transfigured? H how does it become an energy that actually heals instead of harms me and others? That's what I hear you inviting us into, Jackie. I think you're saying it better than I said it, but I think that's what I'm trying to say. It's true. Like it's like, this is, I'm just saying that was beautiful, beautiful. Like, let's write that book. I mean, it's really true. Like, this is who we are. And maybe kind of going back to this, psych work of mine kind of mm. my, this is my work yeah. is this image of god we create maybe some of us have to create such an overtly angry violent image of god so we can take the part of us and project it out there that's right yeah. so we can just survive it right this yeah. god will bite us kill us you know devour us because i'm i'm that's in me but maybe maybe the, the project for us as humans on the planet is to acknowledge the godliness of ourselves in the both hand. Mm -hmm. I am capable of fierce love. Like, please don't, don't ever catch, let me catch you hurting someone I love. You know, it's, I'm not going to be like, it sounds like you tried to hurt John. You know, I'm not going to, that's not what's going to happen. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a, a fierce reaction to that. Like yeah. you're young, you're vulnerable child. Like we are. And then the question of our human journey is like, what do you do with that ferocity? What do you do with that moral outrage? What do you do with that courage? And there's so much to do with it. But to pretend like it's not in us, to deny that it's not in us. Honestly, y'all, I think a lot of addiction and um, mm -hmm. sort of pathology, mm -hmm. uh, even, even death by suicide is us trying to put to death the part of ourselves that we can't stand. Yeah, wow. Right? Instead of saying, this is it. The complexity of all of it is 
my gentle, kind, loving, you know, cake baking me and my out on the street <laughs> protesting me, you know, and my stay up all night taking the sick care of the sick baby me and my, you know, preaching a decent sermon me. All of those things that make me, me, are unique gifts from the holy to me for the world. So also Drew, so also Jared, Tamara, Diane. Like, this is who we are. And I think it dishonors God in a way. It, it's sacrilegious in a way to not own ourselves and love ourselves. Yeah. Wow. Right? I mean, so powerful. You could pretend that you're not you, but you kind of damn are. Yeah. <laughs> And it's what makes some religious people so incredibly insufferable is their complete rejection of what all of us see, all of us share in, and yet they want to act like they're better because, like, they're pretending it like it's not there. Yep. Passion. I mean, not to embarrass anybody, but are you not a sensual person? Mm-hmm. Do you not enjoy a good kiss and all the things? You know, you do. And God, that's part of us. That's good for us. It's good mm-hmm. to be there. It's good to be to be passionate and demonstrative and also to feel the horrible sorrow of the world and also to feel the deep laughter of your babies, right? And like that little hand around your finger and, you know, all of this is the wiring and we are like God in that way. Like we are like God in that way. Complex and fabulous and amazing and um, creative. And I, I don't know, I don't understand it. I wish we could, Drew and Jared, go back to some time where some people decided that humans were not smart enough to have a complex relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And that some people decided that we couldn't both be better and be real at the same yeah. time. Yeah. And Jackie, I know we didn't get there in um, your you're reading, but it makes complete sense where the rest of John 4 goes in terms of talk of judgment, in yes. terms of um, talk of fear, in yeah. terms of talk of like... Perfect it, love casts out fear. How can you say you love God when you hate your brother? Like, yeah, yeah oh, so much good stuff in there. It, it, if, if we're able to love those parts of ourselves that we wish didn't show up at the final judgment and instead learn to see them and hold them in light and learn to work and play with them. Your, your use of the word play, like um, in the beginning was God and God said, come play. I love that, Jackie. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, but but right. how do we play with those parts of ourselves that we, we seek to, to hide in private and we build false selves that we um, flaunt in public? How do we start to live with the kind of integrity and, and playfulness and self-compassion and humility that um, we can go, here is me and these parts of me that could be dangerous are actually being disarmed and those those swords are being beaten into plowshares um, instead of just being completely destroyed and removed or hiding the bodies, which so many of us want to do about parts of ourselves. How do we bring all of ourselves into this work of like what it is to be in the light? Drew, what's your youngest baby's name? Vincent. It starts with y'all and the way you parent Vincent and Goff, right? Mm. It starts with, it starts with, you know, the childless one of us in the mirror. Like we just have to start someplace, I think, and have a revolution. Just, just to say, you know, I think about um, Octavia Butler's 
wonderful science fiction books about mm-hmm. the new religion, or even that book, that book of Eli with uh, um, Denzel Washington, and we don't know what it is and what piece of scripture he has left, but there's a way in which I think we need to just take a breath and start a little bit over with this kind of work, even for our young people. Like, what if we could have curriculum that wasn't, um, I've been invited with a colleague to write a 52 chapter story Bible. Wow. And the, the publisher is very excited, but also nervous. Like, will they get the whole, will they get catechized? Like, I hope not. You know, <laughs> I hope not. Like, you know, like could we just say, what is the most important? If your child, if your, if your great grandmother who's dying and your baby who's just learning, if at those polls we said, what's the most important thing about God we want them to know? What would mm-hmm. it be? Yeah. What would that be? That's where we need to start. Like, what would that be? You are loved so mm-hmm. much. Right? Yeah. And you have to love your neighbor as yourself. Like, that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. And yet, mm-hmm. reams of junk yeah. to get through that makes trans children kill themselves. Yeah. Causes parents to put their gay kid out of doors. Mm-hmm. Out of doors. Yeah. You're a child. Don't ever come home. Mm-hmm. It caused us to exterminate the Jews. Yeah. What? In the name of the Jew. I mean, come on. We have really mm-hmm. got a little bit of work to do about yeah. the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I've, and maybe that's why I keep harping, I brought it up a couple times, but thinking about my experience with my kids and stuff, it's mm-hmm. like I've come to the point where I'm like, that is my most important work, right? Yes. Yeah. You know, Um, and, and I can talk about restorative justice and this and that, whatever, all (laughs) of but like, like what happens, you know, in our home, like if I can't practice that and live that Mm -hmm. and embody that and express that um, with my kids, then um, in some ways, all the other stuff is kind of meaningless. Um, and so, and that they can see that and see how I interact with our neighbors and how I show up in our community and all, you know, like that, that matters so much more than the more public stuff that goes mm-hmm. on. And I think, yeah, it's, it's really important. Oh, totally. you know, I think that, you know, they, they'll be watching you both how you deal with their squabble, right? but mm-hmm. also how you deal in the public square. They are right. Mm-hmm. It's both. And yep. I think, I think, um, yeah, I think let's, let's start a podcast for little ones. Yeah. Let's, let's yes. Try, let's try to Ooh. think about, right. Don't do it unless you call me. Cause I think it's a good idea. Let's, <laughs> let's think about how we can fuel theological imagination that yeah. precedes the adjunct parent through mm. kicking their butt because they didn't yeah. do something right, right? Right, right. I'm so passionate about this. I mean, this is this is my yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I love and I'm always 
um, searching for um, other folks who both who I look to in terms of because um, also, you know, you talk about imagination is also what you see embodied, right? What you That's see right. other folks and how they're living that out. Um, and then also just learning, dialoguing, sharing back and forth, right? Um, how, how are they actually loving their children and, and helping them to understand God is love in that kind of really mm-hmm. intimate and real way. That, that's, mm-hmm. that's a very, it's, I've often said I'm going to be writing children's books. I haven't turned to that yet, but, but one day when I, I feel like I don't actually feel worthy to write the children's books yet. So I can experiment on adults until I can really have the real <laughs> gift. But I do have this passion where that's, I feel like that's like the pinnacle of where I'm going is writing children's books one day. Yeah. I hope, good, do that. I hope you do that. And, and I've given up on worthy as a category. So, but I, I love this conversation. I'll, um, uh, Jackie, we're going to have to talk more. Like we, we have some, th- this has been incredibly rich. I love that we're talking about parenting as the, the ground zero um, for sanctification. I, I love that um, it, I love that the brothers are having this conversation. I, I think like um, there are a lot of siblings in Christ who have been having this conversation for a long time, Drew. I think part of the, the radical work that you're doing um uh, is, you know, that sanctifying of our masculinity that Jackie was pointing to in terms of um, her, the love of her life and what he embodies. This is our work to detoxify masculinity um, from patriarchy so that um, we can become carers That's right. and, and not lords. So, Jackie, you've opened all this up. We, we have so well, much to thank you for. we got so yeah. much to talk about. You guys know Shaka Sangor? Have you seen his book on parenting? Um, I had a chance to be... I don't have it on my table, but um, uh, Shaka wrote a beautiful book uh, that's kind of in the Ta-Nehisi Codes, James Baldwin, right. camp of a letter to his two sons, uh-huh. Shaka Senghor. And he and I had a chance to have a couple of conversations. And this one is on my table because I'm about to give it to my um, grandson. But then we, we talked with uh, Derek Barnes. So this is a book, you know, I am every good thing for black boys so so there are these there are these um write me drew and i'll just put you an email with them there are these black men talking about uh detoxifying uh, masculinity in this american context yeah um which i think is similar jared you know um, are there parallels yeah Yeah. jared if you if you don't get me to come to australia soon though i don't know i might (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we would we would love that you know you've always got a place to stay we had a, we had a great time in australia uh, before covid maybe like six months before covid and then covid but we had a great time australia and new zealand i feel like you oh, were in the goodness. states when i was there maybe i'm wrong but anyway right yeah yeah oh that's amazing so, um, Jackie, so we're gonna keep doing this right y'all i, I hope so do, um we've run late but do you yes, feel like have. you have a few um uh, moments for questions from those who have joined us live would we you do. be okay they, with that they can do it i can do it yeah oh, that's kind of, well, let's let's officially wrap our recorded um <laughs> uh, piece for those who are just listening on the podcast um would you feel comfortable praying for, for us Jackie? Sure. absolutely thank you well y'all let's uh, let's take a breath together and know that actually every time we breathe it's a sacrament a sign and a seal of god's inhabiting us, enthusing us, inspiring us, animating us. 
So God, let, let our breathing in invite you into our souls to love on us, to transform us, to make us one with what you're doing in the world. God, bless us in our vulnerability and in our strength, in our confidence and in our fear, in our failing and our hitting it right, that we might become more like you. Amen. The Inverse Podcast is proudly supported by you, the listener. And if you want to join the revolutionaries who are helping us have conversations about how this ancient text can still turn the world upside down, why don't you head over to patreon.com slash inverse.